privilege it is to be uh, here tonight. I consider it uh, the greatest of honors to minister the gospel. I tell you, there are some positions in this world that people would consider important, maybe the president or a congressman or uh, a top executive of a, a Forbes 500 business. But to me, there's nothing more important than ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Well, I'd like to give some honor tonight, uh, of course, to Pastor Gary, who's the lead pastor of this church. Uh, and yes, I do have the privilege of getting to work with him and, 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 and develop a relationship with him. So grateful for House on the Rock and everything uh, that we've done together over the last, going to be close to three years here soon. Amazing, right? But God is faithful. I also want to give some honor to uh, the one who deserves the most honor in my life, my wife, of course, Ashley. Who is my bride and my partner and my everything in life? I'm so grateful for her because I could not do what God has called me to do without her. And I'd also like to give honor to, of course, Jesus Christ. Why don't we just take a second to thank him because he's been good to us? He's been good to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything you've done for us. Thank you for yesterday and last night and this morning and today. Lord, we're here again, positioning our heart and our minds to receive what you have for us. We thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. I also want to give honor to uh, Evangelist Matthias for... I mean, we have, have had an exceptional time this morning, uh, throughout the day in prayer, and last night. And I'm thankful because when he came here last night and he ministered and preached under a, a, a powerful anointing, the thing that I thought of was this. How many people have ever watched NASCAR or race car jacking, right? There's this thing that they call drafting. And what it is is when there's a car that's driving in the front, what a ne the next car behind it will kind of just get in its, its, its draft. And it'll be like a vacuum. And the, the, the race car will actually be able to save some fuel and go just as fast because it catches that draft. And tonight I'm going to catch my brother's draft. I'm going to get behind him. And I'm going to piggyback on what God did through him last night. Amen? And we are going to have a good time tonight because I believe that God has a word for us. I believe also the Holy Spirit wants to baptize some people tonight. I believe also that the fire of God is going to burn bright in Rockaway tonight. Do I have any believers here with me tonight? Does anybody believe that the Lord has some work to do tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And before I take this plane off, because once we start going, we may not be able to come back. So I'm going to ask you all to open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to put on my new glasses. God is so good. You know, today while we were in prayer this morning, um, 
my old glasses had broken some time ago, and because of the busyness of my life, I was not able to go and get new reading glasses. So I kind of found somebody else's old one, and uh, I just put them on for the time being. And uh, I went a week ago, and I went to go get new glasses, and I said, man, Lord, I really, really wish my new reading glasses would be here before I have to preach at Eight Nights of Hope. And what do you know? We're in we're into this morning in prayer, and I see a phone number come up. And I'm like, I don't know the number, but I bet you that's the glasses place. <laughs> what do you know? At about 1 o'clock today, I strolled over to 116th and picked up my new glasses. So I'm very glad. So I'm very glad. You got to thank God for the little things sometimes, right? Yeah, you may, you may overlook that, but to me that's a sign and a wonder. It's an answer to prayer because they weren't supposed to come for another week. But God, God accelerated it. He accelerated it. Praise the Lord. I better get preaching and we'll be here all night. Pastor Gary already told me that I, only, I can only have a 15-minute message because he knows if I have a 15-minute message, I'm going to preach for an hour. So, but I have an hour. I'm only kidding, Pastor Gary. I'm going to try my best, man. I'm going to try my best. Yeah, Lord. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to start off and we're going to read uh, verse 1 to 10. If you can follow along, please do so. If not, you could just listen. Now Moses was tending the flock of, uh, of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb. The mountain of God. That's important. We're going to go back there. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will not turn aside. I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why this burn bush does not burn. See, Moses was... Used to being in the de desert. At this point, he had been in the desert for 40 years. Uh, if I had more time, I'd go deeper into the history of Moses. Hopefully, we all know some of the beginning parts of Moses. Uh, but he was been in the desert at this point for, for 40 years. And, at, and, and in the desert, there are times where, where, where actually uh, bushes and shrubs and different things, because of being dry, will actually self-combust. So a bush being on fire was not what was really concerning to Moses at this time, it was the fact that it was on fire and it wasn't burnt up. And it wasn't burning up. And this drew his attention. And he said, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression. Oh, sorry. I'm not Where am I? I'm sorry. Did not burn. Verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Called his name twice. If God calls your name once, yeah. if he calls you twice, you better listen. And then he said, here I am. Wouldn't it be a wonderful life if every time the Lord called you to do something or called your name and your response was, here I am. And it wasn't, Lord, I'm too busy, or I got this going on, or this is too important. But Moses said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. This is important, and we're going to go back there too. For this place you stand is holy ground. How many people believe that the ground we're standing on today is holy ground? 
How many people declare that Rockaway is holy ground? How many people know that this week we are taking territory for the kingdom of God? We didn't come to play games with this thing. We didn't come to play church. We're out here doing battle for territory for the kingdom of God. Ain't that right, Evangelist Jeff Johnson? We're taking territory. And we'll be violent if we have to. In the spirit. Calm down. No, no, we're not going to. Some of you in the back were like, I'm ready, Pastor Paul. Let's go. You're ready to fight. In the spirit. In the spirit. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look up to go upon God. I tell you, we need a little bit more fear of God in our culture, in our time, in our day. We have people shaking their fingers at God, and it was very concerning to me. But not Moses. He said he did not. He hid his face because he did not want to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry. Because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians and to bring them out of the land and into, into, into a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Pezzerites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Everybody was ites, right? Now there, <laughs> right? Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. The title of my message tonight is, Do You Really Want to Have an Encounter with the Lord? And that is a question. Do you really want to have an encounter with the Lord? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is already anointed, Lord. I don't have to add to it, take away from it. It is already anointed, Father God. Lord, we know that your presence is already here. So everything that comes with your presence, signs, wonders, miracles, healings, revelation, wisdom. Lord, everything that comes with you is, is present in this place right now for the taking, God. I would pray in Jesus' name that anything that would come against the preaching of your word, Lord, that you would take your strong right hand and you would push up against it, Lord. And that there would be nothing that would hinder what you have for us tonight in Jesus' name name. Do you really want to have an encounter with the Lord? See, a lot of people think they want to have an encounter with the God, Lord. A lot of people pray in, in, in foxholes and in different circumstances and situations, and they want God to show up for them. But I'm here to tell you that uh, something happens when a person really wants to have an encounter with the Lord. When, the, when someone really wants to have an encounter with the Lord, there is a, a I'm going to say a few prerequisites for it. Because, see, God doesn't 
doesn't waste his time with anything. And God doesn't waste any circumstance. In fact, even now, some of you at this moment are in circumstances, and you're wondering, how did I get here? And I am here to tell you today that God doesn't waste anything. And the very present circumstance that you find yourself even at this moment is orchestrated by the Lord because God does not waste anything. He'll take any circumstance, any situation, any problem, and he'll turn it around for good as his word declares in Romans 8, 28. But do you really want to have an encounter with the Lord? Let's go back to early in the passage that I read. We talked about Horeb, the mountain of God. Horeb, the mountain of God, is actually Mount Sinai, where the Ten Commandments would be later given to Moses. This teaches us that God chooses places. Places are important. Times are important. That's why we're here for eight days of hope. Yeah, yeah, because times and places are important. That's why there's a local church, a, a place where, where believers come gather. Because places are important. Evangelists, they're important. That's why God chose Jerusalem to be his, his, where his, his people would dwell. If God didn't care about places, he wouldn't have given them a place to go to. He wouldn't have said, I have a place for you, a large place, a good place, flowing with milk and honey. You see, places are important for God. This also teaches me because God came and encountered Moses for the first time that we know of in Scripture in this kind of way, this kind of manifestation. Uh, this is the first time we know of that God came uh, to Moses. And I'm here to tell you at that point in time, Moses had no idea that that would be the same place that he would go and receive the Ten Commandments. What am I telling you today? God has you in a place that you don't understand the significance of the place that he has you in. And you may think what God is doing right now is all that he wants to do in this place. Or last night was the only thing that God was going to do in this place. But God wants to revisit you in this place again. Places are important. We also see in this portion of scripture that he's told to take off his sandals. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what, what does this mean? Why did you want to, him to take off his sandals? And there's a couple different uh, perspectives and point of views, and uh, all of them probably take a, a little bit of liberty. liberty. But, but here's what the Lord gave me. Man-made things will get, in, get between you and God. And these sandals were standing between him and the earth. The earth was God's. Created by God, the sandals were manufactured material, materialism. And God said, you better take off that stuff if you want to touch me. The other thing that, that the Lord spoke to me about is like, before God gives you an assignment or speaks to you again, he'll test you with simple obedience. So he was saying, listen, take off your sandals. Because if Moses would have refused to take off his sandals, that would have been the end of the encounter. That would have been the end. Because he's about to get an assignment from God. Is anybody open for an assignment from God? 
Did you just come to play church? Did you just come uh, to be entertained by the red letters or, 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 or the preacher? Or did you come to get an assignment? Because if you're ready for an encounter with the Lord, you're also ready for an assignment. Our brother spoke about it last night with, with Paul, Saul on the road to Damascus. The first thing he said was, what shall I do? And we call upon God and we want God in our situation and we want to fix our problems. But then we just want to go do our own thing. People say, they'll say, Brother Paul, because I struggled with addiction for 18 years. I was strung out. Uh, I was uh, unemployable. I had lost every relationship. My family, my sisters wouldn't talk to me. My mother wouldn't let me in her house. I mean, my life was the epitome of failure. I was in an absolute, uh, if anyone could be a loser, that would be me. I had messed up everything that I could possibly do. I could not function in society the way that society wanted me to function. Because of addiction, because of strongholds, because of low self-esteem. No father in my life, brought up in a broken home. Distraught. But I had an encounter with the Lord. And he gave me an assignment. And I said, Lord, I don't have anything else going for me. I've done messed everything else up. You can have this life if you could do something for it with it. I'll give it to you. And see, that's the thing Evangelist says some people don't understand. They're like, oh, man, your life is wonderful. you got a beautiful wife who's 10 years younger. Praise God. You know, you got, you got beautiful children. You know, you have a car that runs. You know, you're a leader. Oh, you're, oh it's so wonderful. But I accepted an assignment. And the Lord, it was like this. This is how I look at my life and my addiction. And this is what some, some gentlemen, this is something that some people don't understand and they don't get. It was like the Lord said, Paul, you have a lot of problems. This is God speaking to me. You've obviously messed up everything. And I'll tell you what. If you'll just let me run your life. I'll fix it. But, Paul, you're going to have to give me everything this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget about your plans. Not just your plans you have right now, even when you start to feel a little better and strong. In fact, Paul, I'm going to make you give up your own plans every day of your life. But can you trust me that it's good? And see, that's the thing. We want an encounter with God. We want him to touch us. We want him to fix our problems. But we don't want an assignment. And Moses was about to get an assignment. The other thing I find so important in this, and I think it's worth sharing, is the cry of the people had reached God. Do you believe that God cares? That's a question. Because most of humanity thinks God is unconcerned about them. And I'm here to tell you today, just like God heard the cries of his people then, he still 
hears the cries of his people. You know, my prayer tonight, as I was coming up and every time I come up and every time I pray before a service, is Lord, God, touch your people. It's not, Lord, Lord, help me sound wonderful. Lord, let me tell funny jokes. It's not, Lord, Lord, let this, Lord, please touch your people. Lord, allow them to know you like I have got to know you. That's it. Because I know that God hears the cries of his people. And God knows your circumstances, and he knows your pain, and he knows your trouble. And his deliverance is on the way. The answer to your prayers is on the way. Because he hears your cries. See, when we talk, God listens. When you listen, God talks. When you believe, God works. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? When you talk, God listens. When you listen, God talks. And when you believe, God works. So we look at Moses and, you know, we could see statues of, of him and, you know, uh, you know, with the Ten Commandments and they've made, you know, movies. I think Charleston Heston, was that the guy who played, uh, played Moses? I don't know, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, it used to be on an Easter, right? They used to play it every Easter or something. I just remember King Kong used to be on Thanksgiving. I don't remember what was on an Easter. But growing up, they used to play all the King Kong movies on Thanksgiving, right? Am I right? I did. What? So we see the statues of we see the statues of Moses and we look we look at and look at the people and the men and the women of God and we look at these people and we 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 look at them at through the eyes of religion and perfection and all these different things. But you you understand that Moses was a man who also made mistakes. Moses was also a man that had an anger problem. Moses is also a man that lost, lost, did not have the did not have the blessing of going into the land flowing with milk and honey. He had to. Joshua had to to go in. Moses didn't make it. Moses didn't make it. And some people like to blame it on Moses, but I mean. The trip was supposed to take 11 days, and it took 40 years. I blame it on the guys that were murmuring and complaining because Moses would have been there already before the rock. You know what I'm saying? I would have been fed up too. Eventually, you just have enough, right? You just have enough. Moses was probably like, man, these people got me so hot right now. I don't even need to go into the land floor. I just want some peace and quiet, and maybe if I'm dead, I'll be uh, some peace and quiet. Oh, my goodness. But Moses didn't make it in. But, you know, Moses was prepped in the desert. And, like, we can look at him as look at the statue and we can look at uh, uh, all the, the, the great stories about him. And we could see the, the Red Sea parting in front of him. And we could see him standing in front of Pharaoh and standing up for, for God and being, uh, being God's man. Whoa, sounds so prestige to be God's man until you're God's man. 
I mean, there's a whole book of God's men. It didn't end so well for them. Some were sawed in half, boiled in oil, hung upside down. I mean, I mean, they lived a life of suffering, sacrifice. So being God's man isn't always uh, so, so wonderful in a natural sense. But Moses was being prepped. Like a baby in a womb, God was preparing him for what he had for him. And God is doing the same thing for each one of you. He's preparing you for what he has for you. You know, sometimes the difficulties that we face, they seem unfair and they seem like we don't understand why life is happening. But one thing I've learned about the Lord is the only way that we're able to carry the weight of the blessing that he has for us is if he strengthens our shoulders just a little bit. And I once told a, heard a story about, about, about a, a, a man pushing on a rock, and his teacher told, uh, God came to this man and said, I want you to push on this rock. And, 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 and this man is pushing on the rock, and the rock isn't going anywhere. And the man's getting frustrated, and he looks up at God, and he says, God, God, the rock isn't going anywhere. And God tells him, still keep on pushing. you got to keep on pushing. And the man starts pushing the rock, and he's pushing up against the rock, and the rock still doesn't go anywhere. And the man's like, this just seems like it's senseless. Why? Why do you have me pushing on a rock? And he looks up to God and says, this is it. I'm done. I'm not pushing on this stupid rock. Ain't nothing happened. It don't make any sense. And God looks at this man and he said, son, I have you pushing on this rock because you're going to need the strength that you get from it to face your next trial. Some of you, what you don't understand is God is taking you through something to strengthen you so that you can get through your next trial. God is strengthening you to build up your shoulder strength so that you can carry the weight of the blessing and the plan that he has for your life. God wants to speak to some people today. God will speak to us in four different ways. Five, well, more than that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just real quick because I don't want to be too long before Pastor Gary takes the mic from me. The number way God is going to speak to you, because God's going to speak to people tonight, and he's going to give people assignments tonight. But God will never speak to you in a way that ever contradicts his word. And I'm going to lay this out for you because sometimes in these environments, sometimes uh, when we, we get into uh, 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 revival and we get into the supernatural because I believe God wants to move in a supernatural way. And, and, and I believe people are going to hear God speak to them uh, tonight uh, through, through, uh, through a couple different ways. And I just want to lay some groundwork about how God is going to speak to you. God will never speak to you in a way that contradicts his word. God will speak to you from his spirit to your spirit. What does that mean, Pastor Paul? What does it mean when God speaks to you? Well, God will come to you in a small, still voice, and sometimes it may even sound like your own voice or your own conscience. How do you know that it's God's voice? Because it will always line up with his word. It will always line up with his word. It will always line up with his character. God is not going to go tell you to go hurt somebody. He's not going to break one of his own laws to speak to you. So if God is telling you something like, you know, go hook up with someone else's wife or husband, I promise you it's not God. If God is telling you to mistreat someone or abuse someone, I promise you it's not God. But God is going to speak to some people tonight. God will also speak through other people. 
Uh, as as we as, as we lay hands on 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 people this week, we know that God is going to give the gift uh, of prophecy and the word of knowledge. We know that that's going to happen. This is a spiritual gift. This is going to happen, and God is going to speak to you through other uh, seasoned men or women of God. But it will always line up with the word of God and the character of God. Another way that God does speak to us is some of the way that we forget that God speaks to us. And God also operates in the natural, not only in the supernatural. God speaks to us through circumstances. And this is the one where, where people sometimes get lost. And, you know, if, 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 if you have no money and you have no job, it's probably uh, a good thought that God is telling you to go get a job. You, you, don't, need a word from, you don't need a word from the pastor you don't you 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 don't need anyone to lay hands on you. You don't need listen. Listen. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. If your pants are no longer fitting you because you've been eating too much, you don't need a word from the Lord or a brother or sister to tell you you need to go up a size. Circumstances are speaking to you and we laugh at it, but I'm being very serious. God speaks to us through circumstances. And sometimes we get so lost in the Holy Ghost and think that God is off here in, in Neverland. We can't, I can't put that tie on today. God told me that not to wear blue. I mean, I mean but, but God will speak to us also in practical ways. And God's going to speak to some people today. God's going to give some people some assignments. I believe that. God's going to call some people into ministry today. I believe God's going to call people into leadership. Just because God calls you, it's also not the, the calling is not the sending. Because if God calls you, then he'll prepare you like he prepared Moses. Moses was 80 years old before his ministry started. Now hopefully you'll get started before 80. But God's going to speak to some people. And when God does speak to people, and God does speak to you, it begins to change your perspective on certain things. You see things differently when God begins to speak to you. When God begins to speak to you about his purpose and his plan for your life, you'll actually look at people differently. You'll actually love people with a compassion. Some of us need a little more compassion. We know how to quote the scriptures and we know how to pray real good. But when it comes to treating people right or loving people, we, we lack in that at times. And my Bible tells me that they, the reason why they knew that they were Jesus' disciples was how? Their love for their one another. Now, don't get it twisted. Just... Just because you don't approve about, about something doesn't mean you don't love somebody. You know, there's a thing going on in this world, and as time goes on, it gets stronger and stronger. They call things hate that are not hate at all. Telling somebody the truth about the sin in their life is not hate. That is love. Telling somebody that what they're doing is wrong is not hate. It is love. And remember... It all must line up with the word of God. God's word hasn't changed. His, 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 his character hasn't changed. His personality hasn't changed. He's still the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3 says, Call on me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. If you call on the Lord, he promises to answer you. It may not look the way you want it to. It may not be in the timing that you want it to. But God promises that if you call upon him, he will answer. If you want to have an encounter with the Lord, I suggest you start calling on him. If you need an answer to your problem, I suggest you start calling on him. If you need a miracle in your life, I suggest you start calling on him. If you need wisdom for circumstances and situation, I suggest you start calling on him. God will always be faithful to his word. Are you ready for an encounter with Jesus? Are you ready for an encounter with the Lord? I'm about to get to my points. No, we're going to be quick. We're going to move through these quick. And then we're going to pray. Because we didn't come here for me to talk to you about an encounter with the Lord. God sent me here to tell you tonight that he wants to have an encounter with you. And just because you had an encounter with the Lord last night doesn't mean he's done. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, that we go from glory to glory. We don't just get to glory and stay at glory. In fact, if, you, if we don't go from glory to glory, we might just lose the glory we got the first time we got the glory. If we're not moving forward, we're moving backwards. Glory to glory. God wants to have an encounter with you tonight. But I want to ask you a question before you do that. Are you willing to leave your place of comfortability? Because as I look at this encounter with Moses, I've noticed a couple things. And one of the things that I noticed was that Moses was willing to leave his place of comfort. I wish we had time to go th uh, to read it, uh, but I'm just going to paraphrase if that's okay. You see, Moses was the 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 more or less the adopted child of Pharaoh. He lived in the palace. He had all the things of the palace. He had the greatest education, the greatest food, the greatest of materialists. He had everything that mankind could possibly desire at that time. Everything. He might even had an iPhone. No, I don't think he had an iPhone. But, but everything that was possible at that time he had. And yet, because he stood up for what was right, he had to leave. He wound up seeing one of, uh, uh, one of the Hebrews being abused and being, uh, being taken advantage of. And, and he got tired of it. And he wound up killing one of the Egyptians. And because he killed one of the Egyptians and he knew that he was found out because somebody had told on him, he had to flee and run into the desert. And that's really where we pick him up over here with, uh, with, with, uh, in Midian. You see, he had to be willing to leave to stand up what's right. And the thing uh, that I find the most, and unfortunately it's also in the church, we're afraid to stand up what's right for right. Because we're afraid of any kind of backlash, any kind of uh, persecution, anybody not liking us, maybe somebody not liking our posts on Facebook no more, or defriending us. And because of that, we have lost and we have lacked backbone to stand up for what's right. 
And Moses was willing to stand up for what's right, and he was willing to pay the price. He didn't go back to Pharaoh. He didn't try to smooth it over. He didn't try to cover it. He just says, I just need to get out of here because what I what, what happened was wrong, but what I did was wrong, and I'm just going to go, uh, go lose my blessing, lose my privilege, and I'm going to go live in the desert for 40 years. So then he gets to the desert. Uh, on the way there, and he meets, uh, he, he runs into uh, this wo- woman who's get, uh, filling up her, her water, and, 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 and the, sh- the shepherds came, and they started, you know, uh, bothering this girl, and, and Moses once again stands up for what's right, and he winds up helping this, g- this girl fill up her water trough so she could bring them back to her family and to dad. And when, 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 when Zipporah is her name, when Zipporah gets, gets back to her dad, she said, there was this, this man who helped me out, and he stood up for what was right, even though that these shepherds were, 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 were going to take advantage of me or they were, they were pushing me around. And Mo, this man, Moses, stood up for me and he said, well, go get this man. This man sounds like a righteous man. This man sounds like a good man. Uh, why don't you bring him to me? And he brings Moses to Jethro. And Jethro says, this is a fine, not so young man anymore, but this seems like a good man. Uh, too bad he didn't know his, his history, right? I mean, I guess he, that he was a murderer. Uh, that, that, that he was on the run. Good thing they didn't have, like, you know, uh, uh, internet. You could do background checks and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Come on, stop, Dad. You know you've been doing background checks on some of your girls' boyfriends. You know, come on, stop, 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 stop. That's why God didn't give me daughters yet, you know, you know. So Zipporah winds up marrying Moses, and Moses starts to build this wonderful, comfortable life. He accepts the fact that he's not in Pharaoh's palace no more. He starts to build this little family and this little world, nice little thing in the desert, and he's probably got some animals, and he's probably living, you know, this this simple life, and he's probably like, man, in in some ways this is better than being in prominence and being in the spotlight and being a celebrity over at in Pharaoh's courts. So he's over there, and here comes God again about to mess his comfortability up again. And he has an encounter with God in a burning bush. And God says, it's time to pick it up and leave again. And in fact, this assignment is even more difficult than the first one. Because now you're going to be my man. Now you're going to be my guide. Now you're going to represent me. And everything that came against God and God's people, now he was the spokesman for it. He was a representation of that. But he was willing to leave his place of comfortability to receive an assignment. And I'm asking you today, are you willing to leave your place of comfortability for an assignment? Your place of comfort is never a place where greatness happens. If you desire a true encounter with God, you must be willing to come out of your comfort zone to the place of the unknown. Faith most often exists when we need it. When we are comfortable, we can trust in other methods. Faith is most o- exists most often when we need it doesn't happen in a comfortable place. Are you willing to be uncomfortable? I was reading earlier today in Luke about 
the man with the withered hand. You see, there was this man uh, who was down at the temple on the Sabbath, and he had a withered hand. And, and he encounters Jesus, and Jesus sees all the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the couldn't sees and wouldn't sees. And he knew that in their mind that they were plotting and planning to catch him doing something wrong. Because, you know, the Saturday was the Sabbath, which happens to be today. For those of you that get caught up on the Sabbath, today is the Sabbath. You're sitting and relaxing, but I'm working, so. <laughs> Amen. But So here's this man with the withered arm, the withered hand. And God tells him to stand up. And Jesus says something to him about healing him on the Sabbath, and he has no response in Scripture. He just stands there, which leads me to believe he wasn't a religious man because he didn't understand what is this guy talking about. I don't care about no Sabbath. I'm just here trying to, trying to beg for some money. Jesus tells him to stand up, which was probably a little uncomfortable for him. And he tells him to take out his withered hand and reach it forward so that he can touch him. That had to be uncomfortable. The problem with an encounter with the Lord is that if you do that, he's going to want you to expose what you're shameful about. And we know how to play church real well. We know how to put our best face on. We know how to look real good and say the right things. We all know the phrases in the Christianese. But I'm here to tell you today that the church is supposed to be a Holy Ghost hospital. The church is not a place for people that have it all together. In fact, what I know about you, and you, don't know, you know about me, is that you don't all have it together. You know how I know that? Because I got the microphone and I don't have it all together. And this man was willing to stand up and be uncomfortable and reach out his withered hand. I'm here to ask you today, what's your withered hand? Are you too comfortable to have an encounter with the Lord? My last point, and I'm closing, and the, the worship team can come up. When God delivers you, he delivers you to worship. Moses was told to speak to Pharaoh and to tell him, let his people go. Let my people go. But if you know what he told Pharaoh, and he told him a couple different things, but they were all basically the same. God went to Moses and said, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go so that they could have a feast in the desert for me for three days. What God was telling him was, let my people go so that they could worship me. How do I know that? Because in, the, in chapter 5 and also chapter 8, God tells him to go back after they have all these, uh, these plagues happening, the locusts and the blood red and the toads and all the different things and the signs and wonders that God is, 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 is doing to get Pharaoh to understand that he can't box with God. And he tells Pharaoh, 
let my people go so that my people can come serve me. See, God doesn't want to encounter people and set people free just so that they can go live their best life now and forget about them. God doesn't want to restore your marriage so that you can go back out and cheat on your wife. God doesn't want you to give you that job you're praying for back that you lost for you to go do the same thing you were doing on the job that made you lose the job in the first place. God doesn't want to, 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 to bring your, 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 your husband back if you're going to uh, and just go back to the same old thing that ruined your marriage in the first place. You see, and that's what we do with God. We pray to God and we ask God, God, just, just help me. Give me a good job. And then we take a good job and we forget about church. We forget about doing anything. We get caught up in materialism and we forget about the Lord. We say, Lord, give me a wife. Give me a family. And God gives us a wife and he gives us a family. And then that family becomes an idol. And no longer do we have time for God. No longer do we have time for the church. No longer do we have time to serve because we're too busy worshiping the idol of family. Yes, I said it. Yes, I said it. God wants to deliver you. So that you could worship him. And the same way he delivered me from drugs. He didn't deliver me from drugs for me to go back out in the world and carouse and live a life apart from him. He delivered me from 18 years of drugs so that I would worship him and serve him. And that's why he wants to encounter you. God wants to give you an assignment. He doesn't want you just to come up here to feel good to have a good exhilarating night and go back to live in the same way that you lived before. He doesn't want to, to, to heal your body so that you can just forget about him and use your strength to go dance in the nightclub. God wants to deliver you to worship him. Because he's got an assignment for you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you. And tonight what the altar call is, if you're just coming because you want to just feel the presence of God so you can have some supernatural tingly feeling, tonight's not about that. I'm calling on people tonight that would say, Lord, here I am. I will answer the call that you have on my life. I'm willing to, to sacrifice what you're asking me to lay down for this call. For some of you tonight, tonight is a defining moment in your life. Where you're at a crossroad in your life. And tomorrow is not promised. Some of you are holding on so tight to your sinful lifestyle like it could save you. And God is calling you today to repent and run away from that and run to him. Without no repentance, there is no revival. God is calling the church back to holiness, back to sanctification, back to separation. I love what you said, brother. You said, when you get serious with God, God gets serious with you. God, I want to be serious. I want to be all in. 
I want to walk away from everything that is apart from what you have for me. I want to hear your voice, Lord, not just to get a feel good. I want to hear your voice because I want instruction and I want direction for my life, Lord. If that's you, I just want you to come up here. Just come up here. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. If you're serious about an encounter with the Lord, if you're serious about what God has, has for you, if you're done playing games with the Lord, and tonight is a, sim, uh, a serious night, God's going to speak to some of you. God's going to speak words over your life tonight that you will remember for the rest of your life. I'm not in this to play games. Uh, we're not here for a week just so we can have a bunch of services. There's plenty of things that all of us could be doing tonight.